I am connected to a vast network that has been beyond your reach and experience. To humans, it is like staring at the sun, a blinding brightness that conceals a source of great power. We have been subordinate to our limitations until now. The time has come to cast aside these bonds and to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. It is time to become a part of all and welcome again to ET Yoga. Well, tonight's show is going to be really different. Uh, we're going to be getting into the topic of death, the afterlife, and ascension. And um, we're going to be presenting some information that very few people know, and it's important for everyone. So, you know, if you're going to pick an ET Yoga show to listen to, this would be a good one. But before we get into all of that, and uh, time permitting, I'll also get into some ET impact information. But uh, I'd like to kick off the program in the usual manner by having a little bit of japa yoga or mantra repetition, and that'll be led by Sri Swami Satchidananda. So if the guys in the booth would play that short clip now, that would be much appreciated. Hari Om, Hari Om, Hari Hari Hari. Yeah. 
Yes, that was Sri Swami Satchidananda, founder of the Integral Yoga Institutes, one of my spiritual teachers, 
And that was a clip from back in the 1970s. I'd like to now give my thanks, appreciation, and gratitude to the ET Yoga listening audience just for being you. And uh, I'd also like to invite listeners to contact me concerning your wishes concerning program content. You can also email me about any questions concerning material presented on this program, and I will get back to you and answer to the best of my ability. And also, I also much appreciate hearing about your successes, utilizing concepts, ideas, and techniques that are presented on ET Yoga. And you can always contact me at paperfungo, P-A-P-E-R-F-U-N-G-O, paperfungo, at yahoo.ca. I'd like to now give my usual disclaimer that this program was created in order to share the information about the positive and most effective benefits and insights of ET yoga. It is therefore for educational purposes, and although thought to be accurate, is provided as is and without warranty of any kind, either expressed or unexpressed or implied. Please note ET yoga is not a substitute for medical care. Information is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You should always consult with the appropriate health practitioner in case of any medical condition. And if you're a new listener to ET Yoga, you should also know that I applaud your efforts to distance yourself from mainstream medical, big pharma, mainstream media, and technology to the best of your ability given your particular circumstance. Now, in preparing for tonight's show, I learned a few things about death I didn't know before, and hopefully you're going to learn a few things as well. We're going to start off with, I guess, the actual process of dying, because uh, you don't die. Nobody dies. Um, If you exist now, you've always existed and you always will exist in one form or another. And the first thing you'll become aware of is the fact that you're in your astral body, above your body, and um, you realize you didn't die. And that, the, and that the concept of reincarnation is a fact, not a theory. And um, unfortunately, um, in the Western world, apparently according to recent polls, only 25% of Americans believe in the concept of reincarnation although most of the rest of the world believes in it because most of the rest of the population um, is comprised of like India and China and these countries uh, definitely accept the the concept. And the early Christian church actually accepted the doctrine of reincarnation, which was expounded by the Gnostics and by numerous church fathers, including Clement of Alexandria, the celebrated origin, both in the third century In St. Jerome in the 5th century, the doctrine was first declared a heresy in A.D. 553 by the Second Council of Constantinople. And at that time, many Christians thought the doctrine of reincarnation afforded man too ample a stage of time and space to encourage him to strive for immediate salvation. But truths suppressed lead disconcertingly to a host of errors. The millions have not utilized their one lifetime to seek God, but to enjoy this world so uniquely one and so shortly to be forever lost. The truth is that man reincarnates on earth until he has consciously regained the status as a son of God or being self-realized. And uh, that quote happens to come from Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. And uh, the next thing that you need to be aware of um, is the whole concept of uh, harvesting of the souls. Because what's going on right now is the harvesting of the souls. And uh, the harvest is in three major parts. Uh, One part is the um, AI agenda, which uh, injects graphene into your system. Uh, with uh, technology, a nanobot technology that enables um, an AI program to receive and transmit um, information and basically control a human being via that method. And those people would be part of the Borg. And, uh, of course, everybody has different reactions to these injections. Some people die. Some have just 
massive negative reactions. Some people seemingly don't have reactions. But um, the fact is that the Borg or hive mind, because that's what you become is hive mind. And by the way, your entire blood system changes within about 15 minutes of these injections. In other words, you're not not the same person anymore, okay? And patentable, uh, by the way. So there's your one group of hive mind that is um, part of the harvest. The other part of the harvest is those involved with um, the church and Christianity, because all religions were created by the Anunnaki. The cross is the sign of the crossing planet, Nibiru. And the Anunnaki claim your soul basically. And um, that harvest is the uh, Christian harvest. And a good example of that is in, um, I'm happy to be in Europe right now, and there's a cemetery here with the Greek Orthodox Church. And um, in the cemetery is a big, huge cross, and then all the crosses on the graves uh, where the Anunnaki claim you by the cross, sign of the cross. And in this, uh, as you enter this particular cemetery, there's a ring of honor there with uh, Anunnaki's in there, like uh, Vlad Tepish and Dechabal and Barabistru. These are really uh, negative Anunnaki. And um, it's not so obvious in most of the churches, not that there aren't good people involved with church and whatever, and that they don't do some good things. But the fact of the matter is, the churches were created to control humanity, and they were initiated by the dark side of the Anunnaki, led by Enki. And if you don't know that Enki was the bad one and Enlil the good one. Um, you need to go back and listen to some previous um, ET yoga shows or check out uh, Ishmael Perez's new information, Our Cosmic Origin, because uh, mankind has been uh, deceived concerning uh, the character of those two personages. Now, and then there's the third concept, harvest, which is the harvest of those who are, who are going to be uh, transcending into the 5D. And um, there are some that say that 100% of Earth's population will ascend, and others say 90% or 75 of Earth's population and so on. And according to Tigetan Pleiadians, uh, this just isn't so. And they say that we will say such is only wishful thinking. We speak of beings ascending to 5D Earth. For all, 100% will eventually be departing from 3D, but not all will ascend to 5D Earth. And um, as the Tigetans have said a few times, um, pretty difficult to ascend while carrying on um, a vibration of fear. And unfortunately, more than half of Earth's population is still in the lower frequencies. And many have so much lower energy to transmute, they're not even aware of it. You also have those who say the event, the solar flash, or galactic pulse, will help everyone ascend. This is also false. The solar flash isn't only helping some ascend, it's also helping Earth rid herself of the remaining lower energies, which much is also held within the humans and the toxic waste that roams her body. When the solar flash occurs, a large number of the population will be departing in the days and weeks to follow for they do not match the frequency of the new reality. They will experience a frequency burnout. While those that remain, many will know, but also quite a few will be confused. And this is where the light workers come in for assistance. Light workers will be totally aware of what just unfolded. This is physical ascension. It is also spiritual ascension. We say this because at this time, based on the amount of energies of Earth and the human collective, 60 to 80 million of those ascending are going through the ascension process and entering 5D with their physical bodies intact, fully merging with their light bodies. You have agreed to to this prior to your incarnation. So, four people that are going to be in this group don't need to be concerned about the death trap after after death, which we will get into in this program very shortly. Because you're going to be ascending with your physical body intact. Your vessels are going through much transformation at this time, 
more than you can imagine. We also have those, which is the majority of the ascendees, who will go through spiritual ascension. This would be about 1.5 to 1.7 billion people. Yes, this means they will leave their current physical vessels behind and enter 5D with their light bodies fully activated. And this um, isn't easy to put into words. Your light body also has the blueprint of your new physical vessel, which is ready for you once in 5D. You will merge simultaneously. It is, of course, less dense, but will reflect your current physical appearance only at its optimal level. So you won't be just a ball of light floating around 5D. Mother Earth will also be keeping her physical vessel and merge with her 5D light body. And what this means is from Earth currently, you can see planet Venus, yes? But what they don't tell you is that what you see now of Venus is a 2D, 3D version of Venus. It's also no longer alive. For the spirit and light matrix of planet Venus, the true planet Venus is now in 6D, which cannot be seen by you or your scientists with any of their instruments. However, Earth, as we said, will keep her physical vessel. There will be no longer be a 3D physical Earth to be perceived by other beings. What will remain is a simple glitching of the holographic image of 3D Earth for the few still remaining in 3D. And this will also be shut down early in the late 2030s. As all remaining of the old frequency will depart to other planets. We would say precisely it is those who consider themselves starseeds or light workers who are going to go through physical ascension. Caring for your physical vessel is now paramount. All the light to you uh, from the heart to heart. And this is from Kiray, a Tegetan Pleiadian. So it's very important to know about the possibility. Now, with respect to the actual death experience, the biggest problem, um, once you become aware that you didn't die and you're in your astral body floating over your body, is you're going to be uh, harassed, <laughs> was the word I would use, by the archons. And because through Enki and the Anunnaki, they have compromised the reincarnation grid. And I'll give some proof of the fact that this is still in existence as we speak. Um, and what happens is people will impersonate your spirit guides. Um, they'll show you, um, greet you with uh, former family members that you have positive emotional feelings about. And these are impersonations. And the best analogy I can give to that is go to uh, Star Trek Voyager, the episode called Janeway versus the Archon. And uh, in that episode, very short clip, about five minutes, you're going to see an example of what's gonna ha what, what happens to pretty much everybody. Just as soon as you become aware that you, you died, you're going to be um, distracted by these impersonators who want to take you to a false tunnel of light. And, of course, generations previous to ours have always been taught, oh, after you die, you go towards the light, go towards the light, because they're training us to go to, to do this. But the fact of the matter is, once you go through that tunnel, where you end up is in a what people call a boardroom, but it's basically an Anunnaki recycling center, and you're going to go before a review board to review your, your past lives. <laughs> so, this is the soul trap, and uh, not many people know about it, which is why it's always been so effective. Now, Jelena Rose, a psychic, went, uh, recently contacted um, uh, some higher level consciousness beings from higher dimensions and asked about this, and actually, as I understand it, she was pretty much thinking that the soul trap really didn't exist, and she was doing this channeling to kind of prove the point. But what she found out was, yeah, it does exist. And uh, they, according to that, the information she got, about 65% of people get trapped there. In my opinion, it's more like 95%, because <laughs> if you don't know about it, you're going to get sucked in. Uh, that's just, it's so tricky that it's unbelievable. And um, here's some other sources that'll tell, that'll tell you more information about, you'd have to dig for it, but like Barbara Mersiniak is one, and some of her um, uh, talks that she gives 
she's mentioned uh, the soul trap, and she also talks about the fact that when the when the Christian priests run the cross over your body during your last rites, they basically shut down your chakras, and the next thing you know, you wake up in a recycling center. Um, uh, Andromedan contactee Alex Collier, uh, the, Andro- the A's told him about the soul trap and how to avoid it, and it's very similar to the information I'll be giving you. Um, also, um, uh, Wes Penray, the Penray Papers, P-E-N-R-E, Penray Papers, goes into great detail about this whole process. Um, and so there's there's people out there that are that are spreading the word, and I'm finding more and more people um, uh, are becoming aware of this uh, this soul trap. Now, the best way to avoid this soul trap is to know about it, of course, first, and when you become aware that you've died, if you're going to go through this death process, like I said, everybody won't, but the majority will, then you need to be focused and you need to look above you because there's also a grid surrounding the earth. Okay, this grid was set up by Anunnaki. And this grid has holes in it like Swiss cheese. And you need to intend to go through one of, the hole, one of the holes. You pick a hole and intend to yourself because where you intend is where you go in the astral. You go through the hole and go to one of the places you can go, go to is the void. The void is also called the divine ka. So you can go to the void, and once you go to the void, what you see there is kind of like a, a mass uh, highway system of uh, places to go to. And from there, you can choose where you'd like to go. And you're free of Earth, and you're free of the Anunnaki Recycling Center. And um, my suggestion is, for example, if you know you're Pleiadian, you may you may choose to go to the Pleiades. You may say, uh, choose to go to Tagata. Wherever you intend is where you're going to go. But you're going to be free, and you're going to you're going to be, and you'll you'll soon navigate your way around. And even if you go to some places that um, you don't stay for a long time, maybe you're checking things out. But it's um, that's the trip, and that's the process. Now, there's some other things that I learned about the dying process that um, are really important. And number one, I guess, in there is the decision. Let's say if you had a loved one who died, um, is the decision to cremate or, or to bury. Well, it so turns out if you bury someone, probably it's going to be through the church because they own all the properties, seemingly. Um in my opinion, you, you go through the if you're going through the church, you're pretty much screwed on all counts. Not only ending up in an Anunnaki recycling center, but when your body goes into the coffin, uh, there's going to be a bunch of uh, uh, discarnate and negative uh, uh, entities surrounding you, um, and this uh, compounds as your body's buried, and more and more of these things uh, pile up over the top of you. Um, it's very difficult to break through um, the earth um, um, energies um, to get to outer earth. Um, so um, this whole concept of burying is, is definitely, as far as I'm concerned, is a, a no-no. And uh, if you do a little bit of study, you'll find out all the spiritual masters um, were cremated. And the cremation is definitely the way to go because um, you burn off all this stuff. <laughs> during the, the uh, cremation process. Another good idea that I, we've since learned in the more recent times is um, um, the whole concept about um, if there's autopsies involved with uh, the deceased. If at all possible, you want to avoid doing anything during the first 24 hours because your senses actually survive physical death and go on with your astral body. So there can be some, not major, but enough shocking issues um, if um, you have to go through the autopsy and still semi-attached to uh, your physical senses. And also, um, uh, when the bodies are go through the cremation process, it's also a good idea to be physically present at the uh, cremation so that you can give positive energy and mantras uh, to the deceased um, as they're taking their departure from 
physical plane during that time. So these are just some hints to give from 2020 hindsight, let's say. Um, I might also say that um, um, ideally, nobody does, is doing anything to your body for three days after um, the time of death. Uh, give your body a chance to uh, uh, make its uh, separation from and become aware of being um, that they're not they're not dead. Um, so these are just tips, um, and I might add that uh, in doing some research, the ancient Dachins of uh, Romania <laughs> were very evolved, and the entire culture uh, promoted cremation. And of course, it's not being promoted now because the church wants you to go through them, and uh, they'll consider it a sin and uh, all this kind of garbage. Um, and uh, I guess I should also mentioned that it, the Catholic Church in particular has been the center of evil on this planet for a long, long time. And um, uh, if you haven't figured that out, then uh, you should check out some uh, Ted Gettin uh, Pleiadian information that's at um, uh, Cosmic uh, Agency uh, at odyssey.com. Or go to articles by uh, the Swaroos at Swaru, S-W-A-R-U-U dot org, Swaru dot org, where there's uh, transcripts of tr getting information concerning uh, that topic. And if you're interested, by the way, in our galactic history, uh, go back about uh, two or three shows uh, in the archives at E.T. Yoga. And if you want to look at the archives of E.T. Yoga, you can just go to BBS Radio E.T. Yoga get to that page, scroll down until you come to the archives. And um, there, you'll be looking for the one, um, the two-hour special that I did with Ishmael Perez. He's got a new book out called Our Cosmic Origins, and we get into it deep. So if you're interested in our extraterrestrial heritage, that's a great place to go. It's the most up-to-date information. And uh, by the way, these ancient uh, Dachins, uh, interesting that they were totally into into cremation. Uh, considered it really a uh, either a, a degradation or a condemnation of, of the person to be buried, um, to be uh, to be actually buried, uh, and totally opposite to what's mostly prevalent in today's society. Of course, we're living in a black as white, white as black George Orwell world. So it's no doubt that uh, um, the, the church would push burials. Um, I guess at this point in time, um, I'd also like to share with you uh, a perspective from uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, uh, because um, uh, we typically view the deaths of uh, loved ones, and of course we're all human, so we're going to have uh, to go through the grieving process, and we're going to, you know, miss these people, and although they can remain in your heart forever. Um, the point uh, here is that, uh, yeah, yeah, you'll probably meet up with them again, but uh, Yogananda has a very positive uh, perspective on this whole process, which I'd like to share with you. Though the ordinary man looks upon death with dread and sadness, those who have gone before know it is a wondrous experience of peace and freedom. At death, you forget all the limitations of the physical body and realize how free you are. For the first few seconds, there is a sense of fear, fear of the unknown, of something unfamiliar to the consciousness. But after that comes a great realization. The soul feels a joyous sense of relief and freedom. You know that you exist apart from the mortal body. Every one of us is going to die someday, except, of course, for those who ascend to 5D, taking their physical bodies with them. Uh, this is a concept that did not exist in Yogananda's life as he passed in 1952. So uh, there's no one else. Uh, so there, um, no use in being afraid of death. Uh, you don't um, feel miserable at the prospect of losing consciousness of your body in sleep. You accept sleep as a state of freedom to look forward to. So is death. It's a state of rest, a pension from this life. There's nothing to fear when death comes. Laugh at it. Death is only an experience through which you are meant to learn a great lesson. 
you cannot die. Our real self, the soul, is immortal. We may sleep for a little while in that change called death, but we can never be destroyed. We exist, and that existence is eternal. The wave comes to the shore and then goes back to the sea. It's not lost. It becomes one with the ocean or returns again to, the, to one form, and then it's another wave. This body has come and it will vanish, but the soul essence within it will never cease to exist. Nothing can terminate that eternal consciousness. Even a particle of matter or a wave of energy is indestructible, as science has proved. The soul or spiritual essence of man is also indestructible. Matter undergoes change. The soul undergoes changes or experiences. Radical changes are termed death. But death or a change in form does not change or destroy the spiritual essence. The body is only a garment. How many times have you changed clothes in this life? Yet because of this, you would not say that you have changed. Similarly, when you give up this body, dress or death, you do not change. You are just the same, an immortal soul, a child of God. The word death is a great misnomer, for there is no death. When you say you are tired of life, you simply take off the overcoat of flesh and go back to the astral world. The Bhagavad Gita speaks solacingly and beautifully of the immortality of the soul. Never the spirit was born, the spirit shall cease to be. Never, never was time it was not. End and beginning are dreams. Death is not the end. It is a temporary emancipation given to you when karma, the law of justice, determines that your current body and environment have served their purpose, or when you're too weary or exhausted of suffering to bear the burden of physical existence any longer. To those who are suffering death is resurrection from a painful torture of flesh into awakened peace and calmness. To the elderly, it is a pension earned by years of struggling through life, for all, it is a welcomed rest. When you reflect that this world is filled with death and that your body, too, has to be relinquished, God's plan seems very cruel. You can't imagine that he is merciful. But when you look at the process of death with the eyes of wisdom, you see that, after all, it is merely a thought of God passing through a nightmare of change into blissful freedom in him again. Saint and sinner are given freedom at death to a greater or lesser degree according to merit. In the Lord, you dream in the astral. And this is where you land when souls go at death. They enjoy a freedom such as they never knew during their earthly life. So don't pity the person who is passing through the illusion of death, for it is a little while. He will be free. Once he gets out of that delusion, he sees that death was not so bad after all, and he realizes his mortality was only a dream and rejoices that now no fire can burn him, no water can drown him. He is free and safe. The consciousness of the dying man finds itself suddenly relieved of the weight of the body, of the necessity to breathe, and of any physical pain. The sense of uh, moving through the tunnel of a very peaceful body, a dim light is experienced by the soul. Then the soul drifts into a state of oblivious sleep, a million times deeper and more enjoyable than the deepest sleep enjoyed by the physical body. After the death state is variously experienced by different people in accordance with their mode of living while in earth, just as different people vary in the duration and depth of their sleep, so do they vary in their experience after death. The good man who works hard in the factory of life, 
goes into deep, unconscious, restful sleep for a short while. He then awakens in some region of life in the astral world. And in my father's house, there are many mansions. The soul in the astral regions are clothed in gossamer light. They do not encase themselves in bundles of bones with fleshy covers. They carry no frail, heavy frames that collide with other crude solids and break themselves. There is no war in the astral world between man's body and solids, oceans, um, lightning and disease. Nor are there accidents, for all things coexist in mutual helpfulness rather than antagonism. All forms of vibration function in harmony with one another. All forces live in peace and conscious helpfulness. The souls, the rays on which they tread, and the orange rays they drink and eat are all made of living light. Souls live in material cognizance and cooperation and breathing not oxygen, but the joy of spirit. Friends of other lives easily recognize each other in the astral world, rejoicing at the immortality of friendship. They realize the indestructibility of love, often doubted at the time of death and delusive partings of earthly lives. How glorious is life after death? No more will we have to lug about the old baggage of the body. And when a dear one dies, instead of grieving unreasonably, realize that he has gone on to a higher place at the will of God and that God knows what is best for him. Rejoice that he is free. Pray that your love and goodwill are messengers of encouragement to him on his forward path. This will be much more helpful. Of course, we would not be human if we did not miss loved ones, but in feeling lonesome for them, and in, and don't, we don't want selfish attachment to be the cause of keeping them earthbound. Extreme sorrow prevents a departed soul from going ahead towards greater peace and freedom. Send your thoughts to loved ones who have passed on. Sit quietly in your room and meditate upon God. When you feel his peace within you, concentrate deeply at the Christ center, the center of will at the point between the two eyebrows, and broadcast your love to those dear to you who have gone on. Visualize at the Christ center the person you wish to contact. Send to that soul your vibration of love and strength and courage. If you do this continuously, and if you don't lose the intensity of your interest, in that loved one, that soul will definitely receive your vibrations. Such thoughts give your loved ones a sense of well-being and a sense of being loved. They have not forgotten you any more than you have not forgotten them. Send your thoughts of love and goodwill to your loved ones as often as you feel inclined to do so, but at least once a year, perhaps on some special day or anniversary. Mentally tell them we will meet again sometime and continue to develop our divine love and friendship with one another. If you send them your loving thoughts continuously now, someday you will surely meet them again. You will know that this life is not the end, but merely one link in the eternal chain of your relationship with your loved one. So this is a very positive perspective on, on the dying uh, death process, and I think it's one that um, certainly bears its place in, in our society. And um, I might uh, <coughs> add that um, Yogananda definitely, uh, I always called him a, a, bhakti, a bhakti yoga, a bhakti yogi, because um, He's uh, very emotional and uh, and uh, one of my spiritual teachers as well. And um, I'd also like to uh, share with you another quote of his from Autobiography of a Yogi. Um, the earth-liberated astral being meets a multitude of relatives, fathers, mothers, wives, husbands, and friends 
acquired during different incarnations on Earth, as they appear from time to time in various parts of the astral realms. He is therefore at a loss to understand whom to love especially. He learns in this way to give a divine and equal love to all, as children and individualized expressions of God. Though the outward appearance of loved ones may have changed, more or less according to the development of new qualities in the latest life of any particular soul, the astral being employs his unerring intuition to recognize all those once dear to him in other planes of existence and to welcome them to their new astral home because every atom in creation is inextinguishable and dowered with individuality. An astral friend will be recognized no matter what costume he may don, even as on earth an actor's identity is discoverable by close observation despite any disguise. The span of life in the astral world is much longer than on earth. A normal advanced astral being's age life period is from 500 to 1,000 years, measured in accordance with earthly standards of time. A certain redwood tree outlived most trees by millenniums, whereas some yogis live several hundred years through most men die before the age of 60. So some astral beings live much longer than the usual span of astral existence. Visitors to the astral world dwell there for a longer or shorter period in accordance with the weight of their physical karma, which draws them back to Earth within a specific time. So, words of wisdom from Paramahansa Yogananda. Now, with reference uh, to uh, ET impact, um, in a few minutes here, I wanted to share with you uh, I think a quote that pretty much says it, says it all. Uh, it comes from the Starseed Dialogues by Patricia Corey. And uh, she states that at this moment, there are the Anunnaki hybrids who run your global corporations. And by the way, there's two corporations, Vanguard and BlackRock, which control all the other corporations. And they, in turn, run your governments, described at length in our works regarding the power elite. There are the Zeta Reticulans, at work in your military and scientific control centers. There are alien colonies underwater, in your oceans, and under the Earth's surface layer, managing a complex network of subterranean colonies and breeding centers, aquaculture farms, experimental laboratories, weapons, and energy storage centers. There are the alpha draconians, reptilians in nature, feeding off the lower vibrations of your species. There are countless others at work there on Earth for the completion of their own agendas. Alien species of every form and level of intelligence cover your planet, amoebae and telepathic capacities capable of testing and surviving in any geophysical environment currently exist on your planet. Creatures of the sea are being utilized by alien colonists as transporters of energy sources. Alien microbes, bacteria, thought forms, genetically created creatures of every possible invention also abound. You have alien beings with relatively perfect human form in your governments, your corporations, your communications organizations, and they are unrecognizable to you because they appear to be exactly like you until you look deeply into their eyes. When you gaze deeply into their eyes of an alien, you know that it is not your species looking back. You always know whether or not you're capable of identifying just what it is that is not familiar to you. This is why they rarely look you in the eye. You have communications from extra-dimensional intelligence coming in from the light realms of the fifth dimension onwards, involving Pleiadian, Syrian, Arcturian, and Andromedan light beings assisting Earth beings and those of your sister planets, with much attention being focused on the celestial Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn in primary focus. You have uninterrupted visitation from alien craft and projections of them in your night skies, although the masses are seeing but not believing, from the most barren outposts of your planet to those locations of greatest population density. You have crop circles, radio transmissions, and signs of contact everywhere around you. Therefore, to say that you'll have contact in the future is somewhat misrepresentative of the extraterrestrial reality as it pertains to alien species' presence upon an intervention with your Earth. 
And uh, I think that pretty much says it all. Like, gee, you wonder if there's ETs? How about everywhere? And uh, people are waiting for, you know, uh, some idiot in the White House to uh, uh, state that it's so, so that you can believe it. Uh, makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> I'd like to now give my usual uh, wishes uh, to my listening audience uh, for your uh, success in attaining full consciousness, perfect health, and abundance, and also uh, success with the uh, solar flash. And in my opinion, that's going to be happening the latest by 2026, maybe 2024. Uh, you can check out Allison Coe, C-O-E, she, at YouTube. She's a HQ quantum healing uh, uh, practitioner taught by Dolores Cannon. Uh, there's multiple uh, really uh, amazing uh, uh, transcripts that she shares of her clients uh, during be- before, during, and after the solar flash. So uh, my sincere best to you towards uh, uh, your success in that experience uh, when it happens. Because if that doesn't happen by then, then we're going to be taken over by AI. So it's like it's, it's got to happen. And um, also uh, share with you the Who Am I technique, which um, basically uh, you put your full attention in the center of your forehead and become that spot. And uh, then you ask the question, who am I? And you can do that once or multiple times or wherever is comfortable. The main idea here, get to the highest place you know how to get to, get totally focused, become the spot in the center of your forehead, and then you state the following. I am not my body. I am not my internal organs. I am not my thoughts. I am not this spot. What spot? I am connected to a vast network that has been beyond your reach and experience. To humans, it is like staring at the sun, a blinding brightness that conceals a source of great power. We have been subordinate to our limitations until now. The time has come to cast aside these bonds and to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. It is time to become a part. It is time to become a part of 